Good morning, everybody. Welcome to episode 27 of the High Action Podcast, season 2, 27. I've got Perry Smith with me. I've got John Story with me. And before we jump into today's topic, just want to give a quick shout out to Heritage Guitars for building me a beautiful H575. Since 1985, Heritage has been doing their thing in Kalamazoo, Michigan at a great factory, and I can't speak highly enough about the way they build the guitars and the attention to detail. So just wanted to plug that in there. Without further ado, John, how's it going over in Studio City? Beautiful. Absolutely gorgeous morning. Starting off April right here on the High Action Podcast. (laughs) Perry, how about yourself? Yeah, things are good in Brooklyn. All right. Well, today we're going to talk about picking technique, which is something that I think every guitar player probably enjoys talking about. I don't know who else really enjoys hearing about it, but um, before that, I kind of just wanted to dive into uh, my own personal history with picks. I was wondering if you guys could recall your first time really using a pick or like your first memory. And I bizarrely have this funny memory ingrained in my head using like a green celluloid, probably a fender medium or something and just hammering away on power cords. And then one day it broke in half. (laughs) And I was like, Oh, I broke my first pick. It was, it kind of just felt like a rite of passage. And ironically, as you get older, you next to never break picks, right? Or you yep. never drop them in your acoustic guitar. But those are kind of just like funny first memories. John, you have any funny first pick memories? Yeah, I was probably, oh man, five or six years old. And uh, my parents and I were over in Eugene, Oregon. And there was like this band, this like rock band playing mm-hmm. at this mall kind of thing. And I went up to the guitar player and I was like, man, I love the guitar. And he's like, oh, well, here's a pick. And he gave me a little purple Dunlop stubby jazz pick, like Mm. the little tiny purple ones. And I remember thinking, man, that is so cool. I got this guy's guitar pick, and I was just starting to play guitar, and I had that pick forever. And I don't know, I kind of tried to keep it as a a keepsake because that was like my first guitar pick that I ever had. My local music store in Bend called Music Village (laughs) had like a a little jar in the front of the the Mm -hmm. store that had a bunch of different picks and you could just take a handful of them for a dollar you know or whatever 25 cents and then i started using fender mandolin picks like the little tiny 351 picks when i was in middle school and and high school and i started playing jazz and i was um yeah those picks were great but i i definitely didn't like how small the the tips of them were so i i found some other ones eventually after that but that kind of got me going in the jazz pick era but yeah, it was man, getting a guitar pick from a band when you're a little kid is like the f- most fun thing ever, you know. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. Harry, how about that. yourself? Well, you know, John, that reminds me of a of a story recently because I recently gave a guitar pick to a young girl after a concert. Uh, she was there with her parents and they were like, This is her very first music concert ever. She loved you guys, blah blah blah. And I was like, Here you go, here's the guitar pick I was using. Little secret, it actually wasn't was the it a thirty-five dollar blue chip that I was using. <laughs> I gave her, <laughs> yeah. I gave her uh, the Fender Medium, which is a great guitar pick and one Absolutely. that I use quite a bit for rhythm guitar, as you guys know. So yeah, I agree, man. Like the guitar pick is such a, you know, kind of cool and mysterious part of being a guitar player because certainly when I first started using a pick, which was pretty much right away, 
I really had no concept of how to use this freaking thing. Like, you know, trying to kind of emulate the teachers that I saw holding it with my thumb over the top and on my first finger. But there's really mm-hmm. all these different ways that people approach using the pick. And, um, you know, John, as you will know, like in college with Diorio, like I definitely went into a little bit of a rabbit hole with guitar picks, trying to use all kinds of different things. Like Yes. Mainly yes. for tone purposes, mm-hmm. but like metal picks and wooden picks. And Diorio even had like tortoise shell picks, which yeah, I think... Cork. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was using a felt pick sometimes and mm-hmm. just... You know, just kind of experimenting. Um, but now I'm all about those blue chips. So, yeah, well, yeah, I remember you and I going over to McCabe's in Santa Monica, and they have that really cool chest of picks. All these weird one-off picks, picks made of bone, picks yeah. made of all this stuff, and and some of them were super, super, super pricey fifty dollars, sixty dollars a pick. And, right. Uh, right. But you and I remember going through that. That was definitely a fun kind of thing and joe definitely i remember when he when sid jacobs went to arizona for like a weekend because there was some dude out there making picks out of thunder eggs you know so and he out came of, back with all what? these crystal thunder thunder eggs? egg mm-hmm. what is a thunder egg thunder egg is like it's like a crystallized rock you know that that um we find them up in oregon a lot too it's like literally a lightning strike into into rock or into the ground and it's this purple crystal and it's huh. like this very, very fine glass. and um, what you call the yeah. pick of destiny. Yeah, the pick of destiny. And Joe was way into that pick for a long time. He had a little felt pouch for it, I remember. Thunder egg. <laughs> Sounds you know, like an emo the, band. Yeah. Interesting <laughs> fact. Um, you know, Perry and I over the years have used DeAndrea picks a lot. Yeah. And I found out they were actually kind of the first incorporated company to really manufacture picks, which I didn't know. Luigi D'Andrea in 1922 kind of regulated the 351 shape, hmm. which is like the standard um, fat on top, thin on the bottom. And that's just, it's really interesting, 1922. And, you know, there probably wasn't a lot of pick options back then. And, John, you mentioned tortoiseshell yeah. or like um, hawk talon, all these things that like ancient cultures would use to make plectrums out of. Yep. Um, I, when I was in Turkey, I tried an oud, and they gave me this like long, scoopy nylon, thin ovaly thing, and and you know you just do this, and it, it, um, what I'm doing is an up and down motion with my wrist, and it's basically like a tremolo type way of picking. Yeah. Speaking of picking, gosh, I've got a bunch of picks laid out here. I'm just gonna start at the beginning. Um, <clears throat> I was, the last couple of days I was working on something that I always see Perry doing where. Rather than moving my wrist as much up and down, which is really what I come from, from the Aldi Miola instructional video uh, high school days, is is more of like the thumb and index finger movement. Would you say that's kind of a thing you've adopted, Perry? Somewhat, yeah. Um, I want to I want to hear what you're doing with that, but yeah. Sure. Go ahead. Go ahead. You go first. So if I play uh, an A major scale, I'm really ideally not really moving my wrist that much. As opposed to if I'm doing it the way I kind of came up doing it. Do they sound different? They don't really sound that different. And and so I think the technique that you're talking about comes from 
someone named Jack Peterson, who was, mm -hmm. uh, you know, one of the stalwart teachers at the U University of North Texas for a lot of years. I think his tenure, and John, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think his tenure was like the 70s, 80s, maybe even like late 60s. But a lot of guys that came out of that department during that time were able to adopt this technique where they like use the, the mm -hmm. joint on the thumb to kind of move the pick you know, across the string, essentially. Mm -hmm. And I do that a little bit, but my specific technique for those moments has more to do with the first finger underneath the thumb mm -hmm. and kind of the movement with that because when you move that joint finger on your thumb, that can be kind of tricky for your rhythmic articulation to keep it consistent. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah. this is By the way, this is a great episode for the people who are subscribed on Patreon because they can see, see what it. the hell we're talking about. Um, and it is really important for guitar when it comes to picking technique. But if you guys can see this, I'll, I'll sort of demonstrate what Will's talking about a little bit more. Like, as opposed to like a, a large... Uh-huh. As opposed to a large movement with the thumb... It's more of a subtle movement with the first finger, and it's usually just for like faster mm -hmm. uh, passages, whether they be like, so like if here's eighth notes, you can see the thumb's not moving very much. So you're contracting your index finger. But when it comes to eighth note triplets, See, there's just a little bit of movement coming from that first finger. And, mm -hmm. and that's sort of how I've been able to try to articulate those subdivisions uh, a little bit more smoothly than like more of that wrist motion or um, plucking every single note. So it's also tied to like a legato technique with your left mm -hmm. hand. So it's a little involved, a little uh, complicated to discuss within a few minutes, but that's sort of no, the general consensus. I think that's great. And I think it depends a lot also on the pick you're using. Maybe something like a teardrop pick or, or a, I guess what you would call a jazz three shape pick is really great for that. But like if I try it on like a bigger triangle size. You could just choke up too, you know? Yeah. I know another thing, like with big picks, I love getting, I love the string noise. Yeah. Like some people might actually like discourage you from getting that, right? And maybe if you're playing an arch top plugged in, John, I'm sure you'd agree, you might not want to get that string noise, but like on an acoustic. Yeah, that little kind of edge to it. Um, I remember one exercise I would do in high school. I don't really know why, <laughs> I was a strange child, but I would just, even just with the right hand go all the way down and all the way up while alternate picking each string. Uh, I'm muting the strings. You guys ever do anything like that? Yeah. I used to do this exercise all the time that was similar to that where it was like... Yeah. And you're alternating picking, but because of the phrasing, every time you move up the... Uh, arpeggio your 
switching which string you're picking down or up on. So it's weird. Mm -hmm. So it it, it does kind of like mess with your alternate picking articulation because it's not consistent. And that, that's kind of an interesting exercise. Mm-hmm. John, I'm wondering if you could give us your insight, some of some of your insight into, you know, especially how you how you comp at fast tempos with a pick and mm. keep your wrist and hand and arm for that matter relaxed. Yeah, well, you know, the elbow, the, the the shoulder socket, the elbow, your wrist, your arm, your fingers, it's all this kind of gyrosphere, right? So mm-hmm. it can which is really an amazing apparatus right because you can get that's how we can draw a circle you know it's like our we have this capability kind of how all this rotation and something i've really tried hard to do is to have that rotation we just got an amber alert no (laughs) we interrupt this broadcast to bring sorry uh, uh, (laughs) this is a test um anyway but yeah but to have all that rotation i've always felt like that there's something about the weight of that and the the momentum of that that is better than if our picking attack is very up and down and very rigid you know it's Mm -hmm. why i find it hard to teach young music young beginner guitarists how strumming isn't really like down up down up it's more like like a oval or a you know this okay. magic eight kind of thing, and to really feel that looseness, um, you know, drummers have to practice that too when they use a stick and hit the ride cymbal. So I I find that if I can get the attack and get that kind of ovalish kind of sound, that it's much better and less rigid. And I don't know if it's much as a sound thing as it is a feel thing too. You know, can, when it can comes you to expand on the magic eight? Yeah, I just just all I'm saying is like if you imagine that you have a ballpoint pen in your hand and there's a sheet of paper over the strings when you're when you're picking you're kind of creating this sort of B or beta or 8 um you know if you kind of imagine what that would look like on paper right. you know like if you just sit down with a piece of paper in front of you and just draw an 8 what you're doing is your wrist is rotating, your elbow is moving, and your shoulder is moving, you know? Mm-hmm. And there's there's this whole looseness to me that's just kind of this fluidity. And, and so when I... Versus if I'm thinking very rigid, then I'm planting my elbow on the guitar, my forearm is going up and down, and my wrist isn't moving. Yeah. Now, if I was playing bluegrass or playing banjo or something else where I really want to get just a very, yeah. very, very, very straight. And sometimes you see Bucky, the early big band guys do that too. Um, you know, maybe I would try that. And I, I've definitely tried it before. I've, I've definitely tried it on steel string acoustic guitar. But when I'm comping in a jazz setting and I'm trying to imply the swing feel and trying to imply the relaxed thing, for me, I just have to, you know play very loose and that goes for when i play four to the floor so the forward back motion of four to the floor for me is not a choice of two and four two and four it doesn't equal accents at all it just equals just this this rotation so when i when i do that versus always going forward like this there's no rotation my arm is just going up and down like that so just naturally it just goes like this you know, I was talking to, I did a gig with Jeff Hamilton a few weeks ago, and I was asking him a lot about Freddie Green and 
and he talked to Freddie a lot on the road, and, and he asked Freddie about if he was intentionally accenting like that, and he said, no, absolutely not. It's just me playing really, really loose. And, and Freddie said, it's like shaking water off my hand. That's how loose I want my wrist. It's just shaking water off my hand. That's how Freddie Green referred to it. So, Could you comp through one chorus? It doesn't have to be burning fast, but maybe if a rhythm changes mm -hmm. um, and, and maybe back slightly away from the camera so that... Yeah. Sure. Myself and, and the Patreon and for people. those who are watching on on Patreon, I'm, I'll, you know what? I'll try a different pick. This is a Pick Boy 120, which is kind of a average size guitar pick, kind of a thicker guitar pick. And so, if you're watching on the camera, for me, it's like shoulder is moving, the elbow's got some motion, there's some rotation in the forearm, the wrist, all the way down to like my hand. The fingers I'm not using are just kind of counterweights. You know, they're just naturally catching momentum. And then the fingers and the thumb here have this um, kind of spongy quality, which do give a little bit of that joint motion that we were talking about mm -hmm. earlier. So if I'm doing just four to the floor, for me, this is kind of how I'm feeling all that magic eight, that rotation. who are watching you can see that my hand is going slightly back and forth and there's a rotation in the shoulder and there's a little bit of motion in the elbow and it gives a nice kind of weight sort of a nice thunk and then I can go right to comping into single lines. And all when I'm playing single lines, too, I'm trying to keep my elbow loose. You know, someone I talked to early on about that a lot was Bruce Foreman. You know, when Bruce plays, he keeps a really kind of his elbow moves a lot on his guitar. Mm -hmm. It's not like it's not like your elbow is resting on the on the guitar. These big arch tops can be tricky like that, especially, you know, I'm a big guy. I can I can handle an L5 or a Super 400 pretty easily, but but some people, like even a 175 is kind of big for them, so their elbow rests <laughs> on the guitar. And you'd say at up-tempos, you basically keep that same pattern, and, and the name of the game is to stay relaxed and loose See, with it. Naturally, when I go to those faster tempos, I stiffen up. I mean, we all do, mm -hmm. you, you know, yeah. that's the naturally. So I'm trying, always trying to relax, always trying to... The more relaxed I play, the more loose I see myself playing. And I find it easier standing up than sitting down to stay loose with this whole system here. When I sit down, it's really easy for my shoulders to hunch over. Right. And for me to get tense and my shoulders to come up and I start getting tight like this. And mm -hmm. so I see that on video a lot or, you know, from a photo, from a gig. So I'm always trying to kind of sit with the posture a little bit and lean back a little bit. But like, yeah, New West, man, when when we're playing with our trio and I'm going, you're constantly going in New West between being a supportive rhythmic accompaniment part to a lead part. So I, my goal is to stay just really loose throughout all of that, you know, as much as I can. Mm -hmm. I really like talking about this stuff. I think we should play a little bit. Um, I'm going to try a chorus implementing less wrist motion and more index finger motion, a la the Perry Smith school. Um, I'm going to do a chorus on Limehouse Blues, which is a go. tune that I just love for some reason. You guys know that tune? I love it. Mm -mm 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 -mm. 
spank that last note. There we go. It, you know, I feel when I, as I'm doing that, and again, I've kind of just been really honing in on it recently. I feel it allows me to glide around a little more. Mm-hmm. Perry, do you feel like that or? Yeah, absolutely. Like yeah. particularly with the left hand gliding around through positions and lines. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's all connected. I mean, I think that's the message here when it comes to picking technique is uh, everything is connected. It's the relationship that you have with your left hand. It's how mm-hmm. relaxed you are with your right hand to all the way up to what John was talking about, your elbow to your shoulder, even throughout your body. You know, like if your stomach is tight, you, you know, your plane is going to feel a little tight. So um, certainly at the faster tempos, it's about, it's about being relaxed. Absolutely. Any of you guys want to try playing something or? Sure. I'll try a chorus. Uh, a chorus of a blues? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Here we go. One, two. about i don't know like i've thought a lot about this thing you're talking about will about like the joint from the um thumb and the relation of the index finger to articulate uh the note with the pick Mm -hmm. and i guess for me my assessment of of it is to do less with the thumb Mm -hmm. because if you keep that thumb more consistent in place you can be a little bit more accurate and Mm -hmm. you know certainly for me what I've felt like, especially in the last three to five years, is that I want everything from my picking technique to be derived from the feel that I have playing rhythm guitar. Mm -hmm. So I really feel like if rhythm guitar is your foundation for your picking technique, then you can really go far with your picking technique. Um, If your picking technique can't translate back to rhythm guitar, then I think there's a disconnect with your feel. Mm -hmm, So... mm -hmm. um, yeah, that's something that I've had to think a lot about. And you would never really do rhythm guitar where your th- thumb joint is like articulating like that, right? So playing, even though with rhythm, there's more wrist motion, you're saying your first finger would be doing a similar thing. Well, the, the, the first finger, the articulation is so slight, you yeah. know, when you're moving it for a line. But so like, yeah, I, everything I feel like has to be derived from rhythm guitar. Like... That's the feel. I just feel like everything relates to that. So however you mm-hmm. choose to pick, it should relate to your to your rhythm guitar feel. Fascinating. John, you want to play anything or uh sure yeah why don't i try a different pick here i'll, I'll use the thickest uh, blue chip i have a bc jazz 50 and um yeah i mean this is with these flat wounds on this fender de Quisto, it's like it's just got such a nice milky sound A lot of times when I'm using these thicker picks, 
I'm just trying to get like an extremely underpronounced articulation, you know? Thinner pick. You get a little bit more of the sound in there. I feel like with the thinner pick, you hear more of the string bounce off the frets. Yeah. So, I, I man, I, I really love Blue Chip. I mean, that's kind of my unofficial endorsement. I'm not endorsed by them or anything, neither of any of us, I guess. But, uh, you know, I feel like they're, I don't know, I, I love the, the feel of them and that thickness. Having kind of all three of those is is just so nice, you know, and... Um, there's some other picks I really like, though, too. These Pick Boys. I really like the Pick Boy 120. Dunlop Prime Tone. This is a thinner one of those. I, I love this for my Telecaster and my 335. You know? Those ones always feel bright to me, and like, yeah. and they're very light. They're kind of like wispy. That's why I like them on a solid body or a or my 335 a lot. You know. You know what I will say? I mean, before we get back to blue chips, which are just really really great yeah. um you can't really go wrong with um with a dunlop tortex super black jazz three like mm -hmm. all, all i on electric guitar these are kind of just what i use because they're not too bright and they're very accurate and they go where your finger goes mm -hmm. it's kind of funny to just go back to like dunlop jazz threes after you experiment with so many things that is but, true hey can i ask a question yeah. So when it comes to picking technique and it comes to the right hand, where do you guys stand on like resting your second, third, and fourth fingers on the pick guard? Where do you stand on having it like a closed fist or like a mm -hmm. kind of more of an open fist or your fingers sort of splayed out? Where do you stand on those different techniques? Mm -hmm. yeah. Even the angle of the pick, whether it's flat, yeah. up, curved down, like all this stuff, I think they, they, create different sounds, different feels, and all this stuff. So curious where you stand on that. Mm -hmm. I notice when I see myself play that sometimes my pinky curves out. And the only other guitarist I've seen that has that happen is um, Glenn Tipton from Judas Priest. <laughs> so many similarities. <laughs> like, Yeah, exactly. I need the leather jacket. Um, it just kind of seems to be what naturally happens in a musical moment. And... Um, I don't I don't rest all my fingers. I don't think any of you guys do rest your fingers while you're picking. Um, you watch like George Benson pick. It's fascinating because he's kind of like arching his wrist upward a little bit. I definitely don't find myself doing that. Yeah, I mean, there's the school of thought where the pick should be angled kind of up. You know what I mean? Where mm -hmm. the thumb the thumb joint is like like you're hitchhiking or something. You know what I mean? Right. And um, 
I think part yeah. of the reason for that is because it gets this like kind of snack, snap, snack, snap, crackle, and pop type tone. Like it's a little easier for that to cut than when you angle the pick the other way. Um, yeah. And it can kind of lock in the articulation uh, a little bit more sturdy. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, though, I find that, the, that, not in the case of Benson, but I find that the tone is not very happening when picked that way. I mean, this is fascinating to me when it comes to the guitar picks because tone is such a big difference between the pick that you use, right, and how you angle mm-hmm. it on the string. And so we have to make that negotiation as well. You know, what kind of tone are we going for? What kind of tone are we acceptable um, with? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. John, what about you? Any any thoughts on that? Well, yeah. Um, I think that naturally when there's a pick guard, uh, elevated pick guard like there is on this guitar, um, and on all my arch tops I have elevated pick guards, your hand just kind of comes in contact with it. And I'm not grounding fingers into that as much as I'm just kind of like they're hanging out there. And it does kind of give me a point of reference for my wrist. So my wrist is kind of cocked upwards a little bit. And... <clears throat> I, I kind of have a very faint way of playing like how George plays. He plays with the pick backwards a little bit. Um, so does my friend Dan Wilson and, you know, mm-hmm. all those guys, Cecil, Alexander, all those yeah. guys play like that, right? But, and Dave Stryker, you know, Dave plays with his elbow almost at the complete back of the guitar, which is kind of interesting, right? I But I kind of have the, the fingers resting and then the pick facing actually the o- other way. So I'm at about a 45 degree angle. Like that. So I'm playing this way rather than like this, which is the Benson. Right? Um, That just kind of naturally happens for me. And I I don't know, maybe it's because I've got kind of like a wide, a pretty wide palm swell. Now, if I'm playing a guitar that doesn't have an elevated pit guard, um, a lot of times my, my, the, this part of my palm here will kind of sit on top of the bridge and I'll play. Um, the louder I play, the more I pick back closer to the to the bridge and I kind of try to mute the strings so I don't have feedback when I'm playing a hollow body. Um, so that affects where I'm resting. But I kind of think of the fingers when I'm not using them because, of course, all three of us, you know, do a lot of hybrid picking. You know, we'll go between comping and soloing single lines and then use our fingers, like doing double stop type of stuff. Um, when I'm not using the fingers, they're counterweights for me. They just are there to kind of help the wrist follow through with the looseness. When it's in a fist like this, I feel like there's more tension there. And I might need to do that if I'm trying to do like a, like a tremolo type Mm -hmm. of thing, or if I'm really trying to like play really stiff, um, you know, again, I'll stiffen up my wrist and arms if I'm playing at like breakneck speed for whatever reason. But it's almost humorous at that point. I don't, I don't oftentimes play musically at like those mm-hmm. kinds of levels. So overall, I think my sound is the best when it's the most relaxed and the fingers are relaxed and they're kind of yeah. open and they're counterweights. And yeah, they might be kind of hanging out on the elevated pit guard. But if, you know, um, when I'm playing a telly or, or something else where the pit guard is on the top of the guitar, yeah, my hand is, is just t- in contact with the top of the instrument most of the time. For single note playing. For rhythm playing, it's just like constant just openness and just trying to get that looseness. And again, trying to get the gyrosphere going with the whole, the whole arm, you know. Well, like Frizzell, you know, Frizzell rests his third finger and pinky on mm-hmm. the pit guard. 
you know, yeah. around the body of the guitar. And that that comes from the cat in Colorado. Is it Dale Bruning? Is that the guy's mm-hmm. name? That kind of yes. comes from, from his school. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I find that interesting. Going back to the Benson method where you hold the pick kind of up, uh, have you guys tried picking like that? I mean, Will, have you tried, you know, like extended periods of time picking like that? It's really actually interesting. Um, I mean, like, I'll just see if I can. Shit. I mean, it kind of, it's kind of like locks in your articulation in a cool way, but. For me, it doesn't connect to the rhythm guitar. Like it's a, it's like a totally different angle with yeah. your wrist, and you can't really do a whole lot of hybrid picking that way. Uh, I'm gonna try it. But it is fascinating. He's the world world premiere. Sorry in advance, everybody. Really got to angle it. Like, <laughs> there you go. Even more. Jab it up there. Just give yourself a thumbs up, man. I don't, I don't, I don't, you know, okay, let me try it one more time with a different pick, with an Alice pick that's really, a deep dive really for all you like really Googlers. There you like go. Like that? There you go. <laughs> this feels so counterintuitive to me. <laughs> I'm not even sure you're doing it. I mean, it sounds good, but... One of the first, I mean, one of the founding members of New West, Brady Cohen, would pick that way too. Yeah. And I always thought that was interesting. I mean, but John, you'll attest, like, he would struggle to get a good tone out of a box, you know? Like, and so, well, it's, it's bright. You know, there's that little clip of George in the 80s on YouTube being interviewed by some <laughs> guitar thing. And they asked him about it, and George answered it really great. He was just like, oh, you know, back when I played a Super 400 in a guild, those guitars would really howl. And I had to make sure I was covering as much of the strings as possible. So I put the hand over here and picked up this way. And then those guitars wouldn't howl, especially through the twin and the super. That's what he said. And you watch the footage of him at Monterey in 63, that great footage with Jack McDuff where he's like 19. He's mm-hmm. playing his big sharp cutaway Super 400. Yeah. And he's definitely playing like this. And you can see that he's really trying to keep his hand on the bridge because he's at the... Excuse me, the um the Newport Jazz Festival. He's at the Newport Jazz, and you know, playing outdoors with a big Fender Super Reverb behind him. Can you imagine like how much that four hundred would want to feedback yeah, through an amp like exactly. that? Exactly. You know. So yeah. Well, this has been a great topic. I'd say one last quick thing I want to address before we wrap up is something we talk about constantly. On, you know, it's almost like an uh, an acoustic EQ for yourself is where your pick is mm-hmm. over the sound hole. Um, in my case, a sound hole, or you guys over the pickups. You know, the further back on the bridge, the tighter the articulation, the further closer to the neck, the warmer. And I'm sure you guys agree, if you're just trying to deliver a nice melody, in this case on a nylon string. As opposed to... They're yeah. just different. I think they both sound great. Honestly, I think it just depends on where you are, where you need to fit in the mix. So experiment with hand placement over the body of the guitar. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's been one of the more frustrating 
things to develop over the years on guitar for me is like wanting to pick in a certain place consistently and then realizing it really depends on where my volume is to where I should be picking. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right? Because like if you're picking too far up to get a nice tone it's and it's howl. super loud, you can't can't hear shit, you know? Yeah. Yep. And if yeah. and if it's yeah. super quiet, maybe you do want to pick up here because you get a fatter acoustic woodier tone, right? But that's a hard thing on a box to be able to kind of like pick in these various places because it really changes the technique that you're used to. So that's why the jazz guitar life is an endless amount of practice. (laughs) It's a six-dimensional technique. It's, you know, it is weird. These arch tops are, it's a weird idea. It's an acoustic instrument that we have a magnetic pickup on that we're putting through speakers. It's, man, it's a real challenge. We're sitting in a world that happened just before they figured out the solid bodies and all that sort of stuff in a way. And it's like, the pick, it definitely shapes your picking technique. And, you know, Ponticello, Soltasto, you know, all the different classical terms they have for that. It's great to bring that into jazz. For me, it's definitely more of a necessity thing than it is a musicality thing. I mean, I'll pick closer to the bridge if I need a sharper articulation, and I'll clo- I'll pick closer to the neck when I have the luxury of playing quieter in like a solo situation or something, and I can get more of a sweeter tone. I mean, nothing beats that L5 when you're playing it right over that part mm-hmm. of the neck. I mean, it's just the most milky sound ever, but you can't do that with an organ trio through my Vibrolux. I mean, you're just going to be screwed. So, yeah. Yeah. God, we, I mean, we could really keep talking about this for another 45 minutes or whatever it is. Easily. Um, easily. Yeah, because <laughs> it also depends on the guitar. Like, John, your L5 has the pickup right up on the neck, right? Whereas mm-hmm. my 175, <laughs> there's this little space here where yeah. you can pick and not actually hit the pickup with your pick. So... Yeah. You, you know, you may not need to pick in that area because your pickup is there. You can pick a little further back and you might get a different kind of tone. So, right, yeah, right. it's all these little things actually make a huge difference. You know, right. And, you know, core of our sound. kind of in closing today, too, you guys, you us remind all the listeners like you did earlier, Perry. This is a great episode to follow us on Patreon. I think some people might have had trouble finding us on Patreon because, remember, we're patreon.com slash New West Guitar Group. That's our Patreon um, URL. Mm-hmm. If you Google, if you search on their high action podcast, it should come up too. But be sure to go to patreon.com slash new west guitar group, sign up there. And you know, Patreon's great because people can upload video in the comment section. And we, we'd love to see people's picking techniques, you know, all of all of us guitar geeks out there. And um, and of course on our socials too on Instagram, send us a clip of of what your pick of the day is right now and your chosen picking technique if you have one. Will, who are your who are your top five, uh, not including John and I, which I know we're we're up in there, but taking us absolutely. Out, who are your top five guitar pickers? Well, both of you guys are definitely in there because joining New West has totally changed everything for me. Just you know, being forced to just stand next to you guys for <laughs> years straight on stage, intaking how you pick. Let's see. I mean, I gotta I gotta throw Al Miola in there. I feel like a lot of cats don't really give that guy a lot of credit, but he was huge for me in the early days. Um, definitely gonna throw Eric Johnson in there. Yeah. Um, Pat Matheny. Is that five? Two, three, four, five? I'm gonna. You know. <laughs> so Eric yeah. Johnson, Pat Matheny, and who was the fr- Demiola? Okay. Al Demiola. John, yeah. what about you? Yeah, I mean, I love Kenny Burrell's picking. He has that Jack Peterson kind of thing too. Um, Russell Malone, I think his picking is fascinating. He's so intense with with what he does. Does he does um, he play with the thumb up 
Like Benson? Does he? No, Russell? He, he plays kind of. way, right? Yeah, I don't not not real. I think he's more like how I'm picking, which is over the top of the strings yeah. at an angle the other way. And his rhythm yeah. guitar is so on point, man. Oh, I would man. think that he would have the same philosophy of like rhythm guitar is his foundation, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I yeah. would think so. I mean his his rhythm guitar playing is incredible. Yeah. So I would say both of those people. I think Joe Pass too, another one who had really loose picking. Yeah. Um yeah, all of you guys. I mean, again, like Will said, I learned a lot in New West from picking from hanging with 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 you with you t- both of you cats. Uh, my buddy Brian Green out here is pretty fascinating. He picked up on that Ted Green, Jack Peterson thing too. So all of those guys are kind of my favorite people when it comes to their their right hand, what they're doing in a lot right. of ways. Yeah, yeah. I guess I would put Matheny on that list too. That probably means something because all three of us put Matheny on the list. Yeah. Um, yeah. And all the guys you mentioned, I mean, I have to put Benson on that list, too, just because, I mean, come on, forget about it. It's just so yeah. good. Yeah. Uh, and if I had to pick a third person, man, I don't know. I, I don't even know if I can. I don't know. Maybe Kreisberg? It's just from yeah. a 175 Talk step. about playing over the pickup, man. That's yeah. Kreisberg's thing. And, yeah. you know, from a 175 standpoint, like... <clears throat> He's just so clean, and the tone is just consistently great. You know what I mean? And so, yeah, definitely an inspiring cat, along with everybody else that you mentioned and probably 20 or 30 other people that we're not mentioning. So. Oh, man. Even, like, John Stoll has an interesting picking. He's another one that yeah. grounds his hands and plays so loose. And yeah. Man, you know, there was this guy, Kenny Poole, who was a great guitarist from Cincinnati who I thought was always such a great underrated guitarist, and Kenny had a beautiful right hand picking technique you know so mm-hmm. yeah yeah well, i'm gonna work on that benson thing but i'm not gonna do that again in public <laughs> until I, that's together so. everyone should try that and you know if you watch videos of george playing you, you can see really quickly like okay that's where the wrist is and then just try it for a while i i've certainly tried it it doesn't doesn't really work for me but man i mean hey he spent a lot of the 60s playing those massive even when he recorded benson he record um Breezen, he recorded that on a Johnny Smith before he had his Ibanez guitar, you know. and Super percussive so. way of playing. Yeah, exactly. I spent at least a couple months, if not like three, maybe six months, trying to explore that technique with the pick yeah. going the other way from what I'm used to, a la Benson. Mm-hmm. And I, I understand its benefits. I really do. Yeah. From a mm-hmm. phrasing standpoint and a tone standpoint, especially when you're turning up your volume, I definitely get it. Um, yeah. But... I don't know. I don't know if it's like for me, the technique that gives you uh, the options that I want. Because your fingers really, you, you don't see anybody play that way when they're also playing hybrid at all. No, you know? you're right. It's, it's a one and done method. Nobody does that. So, guys that have really inspired me from a picking standpoint lately have been like Josh Smith. You know, when huh. we interviewed mm-hmm. him, he talked a lot about the rhythm guitar technique with his picking. Um, Moreno's picking really, Mike Moreno's picking really inspires me. He's using his second finger, you know, yes. and, yeah, 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 uh, with the yeah. thumb. So those guys all have a great vibe and a great tone and like good time. And I remember Pat Kelly, our former teacher, um, when we interviewed him, you know, he just sort of said something like, I think it really just comes down to how people are using the guitar pick. It's such a big hurdle for guitar players. I mean, even cats like Lionel Luecki was like, I just couldn't really figure out the guitar picks. So I just went with the fingers. You yeah. know, it really makes a huge difference, you know? 
I'm pretty sure Eddie Van Halen also used maybe his his index and his middle finger along with his thumb when he picked. Right. Pat. Yeah. You know. That's what Pat does. Yeah. Yeah. Really Matthias does that a little bit, right? More or less. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when when we saw him, Perry, remember he was holding the pick upside down. And he yeah. was using the big side of it, and he was using his middle two fingers, and he was playing like this. And I mean, that is some amazing middle two. picking technique. Right, yeah. right. Yeah, Pat says he likes using the opposite side of the pick, not the pointed side. You know, That's the actual right. big part of the yeah, pick. Yeah, I do remember that. Man, we're going to, all right, we got to put a cap on this. We got to cap it. Part two, part two needed for sure, but, um, yeah, right. you know. Well, this is so, good because yeah. next week we're going to talk about hybrid pickings. I'll be leading that one. So that'll be a good kind of somewhat of a continuation on this uh, topic that is seemingly everlasting. Yeah. All right. Well, without further ado, everybody go out and buy a blue chip STP 40 and have a great week. All right. Later. Later.